Good morning. Glad that you're all here today and all those who are able to join us online. I think we've got as many in the balcony as we got on the floor. Um, maybe that's a good thing. We're glad that you're all here. Let me share just a few things before we get into the lesson. We mentioned last week at the end, John Simmons shared some really good things, and I want to just quickly hit those just to remind you. Uh, first, number one, uh, a big thank you for the way you as a church have been so generous in your giving. Uh, through these last several months. Uh, many of you have been through difficult times, and elders and ministers alike have just been astonished at how well the giving has been um, during these hard times. So thank you for that. Uh, October is an exciting month. We've been talking about the mobile uh, health unit that's going to come here. Our young professionals class hosted that yesterday. Um, thank you for everyone who made uh, that happen. Many of you donated food. Just a quick report on that. Um, Young professionals were here as a class kind of hosting that, but there were 16 from our community who were able to come and take advantage of that, having their health screenings. We gave away 40 bags of food, um, and there were 16 people who donated blood. So, again, thank you for that wonderful outreach. Uh, if you looked on the front page of the bulletin, you see some details about our Bible classes resuming. Not quite back to the way it was before but a huge step in that direction. So look at those details. Um, some of the things will be similar. Some things are a little different. Um, so read those details. Be praying about that. Uh, we're so excited that we can be meeting in our Bible classes again. And then on October the 25th, the last Sunday of this month, uh, a special treat. The minister with Carmack Church, uh, Demetrius Nelson, will be our guest speaker to that day. And um, we are excited about that. Some of you may know this or may know him. Uh, Demetrius has spoken to our young people, some of the area-wise, but we've not had him here to speak. So we're excited about him coming. We'll share more about that as it gets closer. Open your Bibles to Genesis 1-1. Last week, we began a series on the names of God, and I encourage you to take notes. Um, our text is Genesis 1-1, but this study, there's going to be a lot of verses. You may just want to write down the book, chapter, and verse, and then go back and study it a little bit more as you have time. But understand, even though this is a study of the names of God, it's really a study about God. Because the names of God just tell us what we need to know about God. Tony Evans wrote a book called The Power of God's Name, and I put this on the screen. He writes, God has a name for every situation we find ourselves in. We need to learn the names of God because when we can know his character and his capacity, we will find rest and discover peace and power in his covenantal love for us. God knows that when we see him for what he really is, Tony goes on to write this, You'll discover the character embedded in his name. And he makes an observation that I so agree with, and I hope you do as well. When you know God this way, you will never see life again in the same way. When you know who he is, even the everyday mundane, you see it differently. Because you know God that well. So to get started, I want to share just a few quick uh, observations about this Hebrew name of God, Elohim. To fill in the blanks, Elohim, number one, is transcendent. He's here, he's there, he's everywhere. He transcends not only time, but also space. He existed before creation. And this is key for us to know. Elohim, number two, is personal. He's not a force. He's not a concept. 
He's not a theory. God interacts with his creation. He is a person with attributes, with a nature, with a character. He wants us to know him. Number three, Elohim is plural. The El portion of the word is a generic name for God, and it can refer even to a, a false God. So El just means God. The Him part of that, the last part of that, means more than one. And when you see this in your Bible, you'll see Scripture use both single and plural pronouns with Elohim. For example, Genesis 1.26, Then God, or in the Hebrew, Elohim, said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, that's not to say that there's more than one God. You know, the Shema, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, verse 4, says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, Jehovah, there, our God, that's Elohim, is one. And Jesus explained that to me so very well when he gave us the great commission that we are to baptize, you remember this, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're one God, many aspects of the God. So you get that singularity, but also the plural sense of the word. And then number four, in our, really our direction today, Elohim is creator. Elohim is the creator. Hebrews 11 verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. See, studying the names of God... Is just really an exercise to help us to understand God, to know him. Psalm 9 verse 10 says, Those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. When you know the name of God, we talked about this last week in the introductory lesson, he becomes that tower that we can run to. When you know God this well, you can become the aroma of Christ. And you can share the knowledge of our God. So today, we're going to begin in the beginning. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God, or in the Hebrew, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. The first name of God in the Hebrew language is Elohim. Elohim is the primary word for God really in the Old Testament. It's found over 2,500 times. Now, we'll find many other names and titles for God, and we're going to study some of those. But it's significant that this name, Elohim, is the only name used for God in this first chapter of Genesis. If you're looking there in your Bibles, there's 31 verses in Genesis chapter 1. 31 verses, and Elohim appears 32 times. Elohim, God, is the focus of Genesis chapter 1. Elohim contains the idea of creative power. Think of his omnipotence. Think of his sovereignty. The Elohim of Genesis 1-1 is the strong creator. He is the source of everything. And he makes that point from verse 1 to verse 31. In fact, just as an aside, not blanks to fill out, you might want to put this on the side, but have you ever thought about the, the many philosophies of this world that are refuted in the first five words of our Bible? In the beginning, God created. Or number one, it refutes atheism. We believe that everything was created by Elohim. Number two, it refutes pantheism. Elohim is transcendent to the created order. God is not in the rocks and the rivers. There's a God who made the rocks and the rivers. 
there's a difference. It refutes polytheism. We don't believe in many gods. We believe in the one God. We talked about that. It refutes materialism. It says matter had a beginning. Matter had a beginning. Not God had a beginning. God did not have a beginning. He transcends time. And number five, it refutes humanism. Elohim, not man, is the ultimate reality. Elohim created man. Therefore, man must give an account to him. And then Elohim refutes evolutionism. We believe that Elohim created all that exists. The Hebrew word created is only used of God in the Bible. Because the very nature, the definition of that term means to form something out of nothing. And only God, Elohim, can do that. He is the maker of heavens and earth. That's why we're just learning this. He is the source of everything. In the beginning, God created this, how the Bible opens up. Now, there's so much more to learn about him, but don't let this significance be overlooked. By Elohim's powerful word, everything, everything was created. So here's the question of the morning. What happens when you know God as Elohim? When you know this about him, well, a couple of things, and these are going to be your blanks. When you know Elohim, number one, you will praise him for all he has made. Appreciate Marty's song selection today, and you notice that how many of the lyrics we sing talk about that. When you open your eyes and you see creation, you believe in this God who made it all. Your response just naturally is you want to praise him in your prayers and even in your songs. The Apostle Paul argued that only the willfully ignorant could refuse to acknowledge that there's a creator. How can you open your eyes and see everything? A man has to choose just to stick your head in the sand, to not see it. You have to choose to not see it. Look what he wrote, Romans 1 verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Look at verse 20. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Now Paul's not saying you can know everything about God just by opening your eyes and seeing creation. But when you see creation, you cannot deny that there is a God unless you just willfully choose to do that. The Bible is full of verses that say creation points to God. But let me just share one. Look at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 25 through 26. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? Who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls them each by name? Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. We navigate our oceans by looking at the stars. I was thinking about that verse and I was reading through it. I thought, you know, do we still navigate our oceans by looking at the stars? Well, in 2006... The uh, U.S. Navy started relying 100% on GPS. But in 2016, they reversed that. 
they realize that GPS, as good as it is, isn't as reliable as Scripture says, the starry hosts. And we've all used the GPS before, and it backfired on us, right? We understand that. The starry host and the creator knows them by name. Have you ever noticed our own tendency? It's just nature. Uh, it's, just the, it's just our nature that when we get a break, like fall break or even a weekend, this time of year, we love to be outside if you get a weekend getaway or some days off, you want to head to the mountains or head to the beach or head to a state park or maybe just sit on the back porch and just enjoy the outside what God has created. There's something about the way God made us, the way he wired us. It is in there. And so when we see that waterfall, when we see that sunrise or that sunset, we praise God. We can't help but think of him. It's the way he made us. So when we're outside in creation or maybe even just singing a song in worship, we are not alone. The host of heaven, this is, this is what's happening. Look at Revelations 4, verses 10 and 11. This is that glimpse into heaven that John had. The 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Those who know Elohim never tire of praising him. So when we see it in creation, it just comes out of our mouths. When we come together and worship, it is a part of our lyric. We, we love to praise Elohim. Well, number two, when you know Elohim, you will have confidence that he is in control. You will have confidence that he is in control. Now, if you get on social media, if you still watch the news, I feel like more and more of us are not watching the news, but you know what I'm talking about. It feels like the, the world is, is out of control. Our culture is out of control. James mentioned that. It seems like evil is winning. Sometimes it doesn't look like, you remember the children's lyric, the song, God has the whole world in his hands? Sometimes as adults, we look around and think, does he? Is he in control? But here's the believer's hope. Before anything was created, God was. And after everything is destroyed, God will be. That is who Elohim is. God has not turned his back on creation. History is not out of control. Our world is on a collision course with the creator of the world. That's the plan. This is what Paul tried to teach the Athenians. Remember last week we referenced this, how Paul was so bothered when he went into Athens, this intellectual city. They had all these, these idols, and one of them was to the unknown God. You, you remember that? And how that just bothered Paul so. And they were so consumed with idolatry. So he said to the intellectuals in Athens, let me tell you about this unknown God. So let's take note how he taught them about God that they did not know by beginning with what they did know. That's just a good lesson for any of us. If you're talking with somebody about God and what they believe, you begin with what they do know. Look how Paul did this, Acts 17, verse 24. 
The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all, all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of the dwelling place. Know what he's doing here, that Paul helps us to see when people don't, don't know God, you start with God as the creator, the maker of everything. Go back to Genesis 1.1, verse 27, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he's fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Don't let tell Paul that the world is spinning out of control. God's got a plan. God's working the plan. God says God has made every nation set boundaries, time limits. God knows. God's in control. God authored history. I was reading about that, and I thought, you know, if we're in a twit about election day, that means we've got our eyes focused in the wrong direction. Elohim is in control on that day, judgment day. Every person will stand before Elohim. So when you know Elohim, you know he's in control. Well, number three, when you know Elohim, you will trust in his purposes for your life. And this is where it gets personal. So I can know God is the creator of everything, yes. But when you know Elohim personally, you can trust in his purpose for your life. Look again at Revelations 4.11. What are they saying? Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. The fact that you were born, the fact that you're alive, the fact that you're here today listening to these messages, praising God in worship, all of that is God's will. Look at Colossians 1.16. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. And then look at this. All things were created through him and for him. All things were created through him and for him. God created you for himself. Think about that. Before you took a breath... Elohim was involved in your formation. You remember Psalm 139, verse 13? For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. 
God knows. He knows each one of us that intricately. You are a unique creation of God. And you've heard the phrase, God makes no mistakes. It's true. But it's hard for us sometimes to believe that. We think about the way he made us personally. Sometimes maybe you don't feel like you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Maybe you struggle with how you were formed or, or how you are. But scripture explains that maybe reveal that we don't know Elohim. Look at Isaiah 45, verse 9 through 12. Woe to him who strives with him who formed him, a pot among the earthen pots. Does the clay say to him who forms it, what are you making? Or your work has no handles. Woe to whom it says, who says to a father, what are you begetting? Or to a woman, with what are you in labor? Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and the one who formed him. Ask me of things to come. Will you command me concerning my children and the works of my hands? I made the earth and created man on it. It was my hands that stretched out the heavens, and I commanded all their hosts. You read through this, and you get the sense that God's a little ticked off. How dare you ask me about this? What are you thinking? The one who made everything knew exactly what he was doing when he made you exactly as you are. This was God's plan. He created you just as you are. Do you remember the time when Jesus and his disciples came upon the man born blind and they asked the question, why was he born blind? What went wrong? It must be a mistake, right? Who sinned? Was it him? Was it his father? Great theological question. And we still ask that question. Maybe we word it differently, but we ask the same question today. What went wrong? Do you remember Jesus' answer? John 9, 3, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. I firmly believe this blind man in John chapter 9 wasn't special. But that very line could be said of anyone. God designed you created you, formed you, so his works could be displayed in you. You were created specifically by Elohim. Now, granted, all of us can look at our bodies and wish we had a little more of this, a little less of that. You know, that's just kind of the way it is, right? But when we do that, we run the risk of missing the point God created us for, equipped us for. Now, every one of us knows, and we believe, you know, God created the world. God, God made every person. We get that. But here's a little homework. Have you made peace with the way Elohim created you? Robert Reed has cerebral palsy. I put a couple of pictures on the screen. Basically, he has no use of his limbs when he speaks, it's quite garbled. It's hard to understand him. It's one of those, if you're around him more, you can understand more. But it's a very strong speech impediment. But Robert determined early on that God had a purpose for him. So he shocked a lot of people early in his life when he said he wanted to go to college. He wanted to go to Abilene Christian University. And he wanted to be a missionary. Well, everyone supported him. But everyone was wondering, would he make it? 
Could he graduate college? Would he ever be able to truly be a missionary? It took him quite a while to finish his degree at Abilene. But he went to Portugal. He served as a missionary for 21 years. He personally helped baptize 190 people into Jesus, including his wife. Her picture's on the screen. Maybe some of you have heard of him. Listen to this line from his bio. His passion is speaking to others about the blessings God has brought into his life and showing the ways that he can take our weaknesses and transform them into the tools for the kingdom. Remember what Jesus said about the man born blind? That the works of God might be displayed in him. Is that not exactly what he was saying? How God's using him? Well, a student at ACU, he and a friend, Gary Mabry, were on a road trip. That name might ring a bell. He's written several songs that some of us grew up singing. They were traveling late. They pulled over to the side of the road. Just a matter of moments, little Robert fell asleep. Just sleep deprived. So Gary was sitting in their car, and he was just looking at his friend in his little deformed body, thinking, what? What's to become of this? And he took out a piece of paper and a pencil, and he started to write, thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me. Thank you for making me whole and saving my soul. Please reveal your will for me so I can serve you for eternity. Use my life in every way. Take hold of it today. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. It's a good thing to know Elohim. Well, number four, when you know Elohim, you will continue to claim his creative power. When you know, when you know Elohim, you will continue to claim his creative power. Do you think God no longer creates? Did this most powerful creator of the world at day six, when it was time to rest at day seven, did he just forever sit on his hands and he's just watching the world spin until the day he comes back? Is that what you believe about God? Now, granted, in Genesis 1, God created all that he made in terms of the earth in those six days. But do you remember, again, fast forward to when Jesus, God in the flesh, was on the earth and being criticized right and left. Jesus could do nothing right to his enemies. In John 15, 7, after he was healing on the Sabbath, Jesus said to them, My Father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. When you know Elohim, you know it is his very character. It is his nature to create. That is who he is. To make something out of nothing. To take darkness and bring light into it. When we go through the habits, when our prayers become rote or even wimpy, that may be telling that, that we've forgotten what we know about Elohim. Maybe we don't believe in him. Knowing the creator God changes everything. It changes what we believe. It changes how we see the world. Knowing Elohim changes the way we talk to God, the way we rely on him, even the way we, 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 we study him in Scripture. It changes everything. We'd be bold in asking for deliverance. 
We'd be asking God to work in us and through us because we know that's why he created us. That's his goal for us. Remember David's prayer in Psalm 51.10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. But how many people just continue to have that struggle to get sin out of your life? Have you ever passionately cried out to Elohim to create a new heart? A new heart. I think if we believed in Elohim, we'd be more passionate about seeking the lost, about serving others. We'd be so ashamed of our selfishness, wanting the church to be for us and like us and the people at church to be like us. We would understand that God's creative power is still at work. And the greatest creation he ever does is to take a sinner to become a saint. That is Elohim. That is who he is. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we were once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer Therefore, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new, and there's the word, creation. A new creation. Could it be, if we're honest, that today, maybe some of us, we look at somebody and, and we just have a snap judgment and think, mm, not them. Too much, too far gone. They can never believe. They can never turn their life around. And we give up on them. In those moments of weakness, does that not reveal that we've forgotten about Elohim? Maybe we don't fully understand Elohim, that he can turn a sinner into a saint, a new creation. So maybe that's the beginning of when we get it, when we understand Elohim. That's where every day it changes because we see every person created in his image. But even more, God wants them to form them into the image of his son. Fred Craddock shared a story about a vacation trip years ago with his wife to the Smoky Mountains. One morning they were having restaurant, I mean, breakfast at a restaurant, kind of hoping to enjoy a quiet meal. And when they had ordered their food, they were waiting and looked around and they noticed this white-haired, distinguished-looking gentleman who was kind of going from table to table, talking to all the people at the restaurant. Fred leaned over to his wife and said, I sure hope he doesn't come to our table. Well, he did. So it, the man came up to the table and says, where are you all from? They said, well, we're from Oklahoma. And he said, well, glad to have you in the States. He says, what do you do? And, and Fred says, well, I, I teach at a seminary. He says, oh, well, have I got a story for you. He pulled up a chair up to the table and sat down with them and started telling the story. And he pointed out the window. You see that mountain over there? We're at the base of that mountain. Years ago, there was a little boy that was born to an unwed mother. And his life was so hard because as he grew up and went to school and got out about town, that people would ask him, who's your daddy? He didn't know how to answer that. He dreaded recess and lunch. He would stay by himself. Even at church, he would go in early. I mean, he'd go in after it started and leave before it ended. So nobody would ask him that question. When he was 12 years of age, a new preacher came to the church. And one Sunday, the little boy wasn't quick enough, and he got caught in the crowd. So he had to walk out with everyone else. And that Sunday, 
The new preacher, not knowing his story, put his hand on the little boy's shoulder, 12 years of age, and said, Son, what's your name? And then he said, Who's your daddy? Well, everybody just turned and looked at the little boy. Well, the preacher was wise enough to realize something was up. So he quickly said, wait, I know. I see a striking resemblance to your family. You are a child of God. And he pat him on the shoulder and says, now go out there and claim your inheritance. The man said, that little boy's life was changed that day. Then he said this, you know, if that new preacher hadn't told me that I was one of God's children, I probably never would have amounted to anything. He said, isn't that a great story? And he walked away. Well, Fred and his wife were just astounded. He said, the motion to the waitress, who, who was that man who was sitting at our table? Do you know him? And she goes, oh, everybody knows him. That's Ben Hooper. He's the former governor of Tennessee. Great story. When you know, when you know Elohim, the one who created you, the one who formed you, the one who works in you and through you and for you, You not only see God differently, you see all of life differently. Elohim made you. Elohim made everyone. Elohim is his name. That is who he is. And he can conform you back into his image. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That is who he is. That is what he does. Our invitation song is David's Psalm, create in me a clean heart, O God. What do you think about that as you're singing? Maybe that's what you need God to do in you. Or today, if you're ready to confess Jesus, if you're ready to be baptized into his powerful blood, this invitation song's for you. Won't you come as we stand and sing?